0: Follow along on my journey of learning from the best backcountry hunters each week as we explore valuable information I use to find success in the backcountry. Let's get to the show. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Finding Backcountry podcast. I know you guys are getting spoiled with the frequency of the last three episodes, so feel free to (coughs) Venmo me uh, showing your appreciation. (laughs) just kidding this is purely uh purely sponsor free and patreon free podcast but this one will be sweet um it's wednesday morning i've got uh my good buddy Jaden bells on the podcast how you doing man
1: dude i'm doing good i, I always love talking with you uh whether it's on the podcast or not and like i i, I was telling you earlier like I've been loving these new podcasts you just cranked out. I feel like I've talked to you for like four hours this last couple of days.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Overload. People realize everyone, you know, has hit me up. Oh, where's some more episodes? Where's more episodes? And then I, I'll feed them more episodes and they'll be like, yeah, okay. Cool it off, bro. Um, <laughs> we've, we've, I love it. We've had enough probably, but um, yeah, man. so I get a text from you. This Well, we tried to line this up last night and it just, audio wasn't quite lining up or whatever. I get a text from you this morning. I'm going to be five minutes late. I had a run in with a raccoon. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) So, so it's kind of part of why I, my audio wasn't great is I don't have great service at my house and we live in this little hole down by a Creek and we can't get Wi-Fi there. So I thought, you know, some days it's really good and I can just make a call. No problem. But then last night it just wasn't, wasn't working. So um that's a benefit i guess of of living out in the boonies and a drawback but <laughs> um I, I stepped outside this morning and uh to just like i had my thermos in my hand and i'm like oh ready to go and i look over in my coon trap like that has been set for a month has a raccoon in it and i was like oh shoot i gotta take care of that so <laughs> so, so i went and uh, dispatched what? him and put him on some ice
0: i'm su- i'm su- <laughs> i'm super curious because I myself have recently entered the world of raccoon trapping. Um, So I'm curious what your motivation is.
1: Well, so we've got these raccoons that keep uh, getting into my girlfriend's bird feeders Mm. and they, and they eat some of our uh, chicken eggs. So it was kind of like, it was kind of like a a pest control. control. Yeah. But we've skinned the last two that we've gotten and, um, and, you know, we actually made some stew out of them um and they're pretty they're pretty tasty i'll be honest i didn't do the cooking um anna who who you actually met when we ran into Mm -hmm. you out in the mountains she made it last time and god it was it was good man yeah so um that's what we'll probably do with this one
0: my motivation is far from raccoon stew um (laughs) but we so i've got i've got this new bird dog that you met um well and he's you know chief he's kind of an all-around he's a he's a droth heart you know, people have their opinions on those type of dogs. But um, you know, it fits me really well because I feel like I'm similar. If I was a dog, I'd be a Drothar. Like I get distracted easily. I I it's hard for me to focus on one thing for too long. And so, you know, I would be out bird hunting if I was a dog and then see a raccoon and want to chase that and and then oh, yeah. there's a blood trail on a, you know, a wounded elk and I'd want to go track that. And that's just kinda of how I live my life. So You know, it's like, man, it's, I don't know. It's, it's been a, it's been kind of liberating when you realize like I can have a a dog for whatever reason I want, you know? And yeah, man, it
1: just makes you more well-rounded, right?
0: Sure. Sure. And it's like, I've been in this not for very long, um, you know, but there's just a lot of feeling of, oh, you have to get a bird dog for a certain thing, you know? and yeah. and with some dogs that's probably good advice but that's why I like the the idea of these dogs cuz you know one weekend I could go traips around down in the river bottoms looking for raccoons and the next weekend I could go shoot pheasants with him if you know if he pans out the way that he should but um yeah. and maybe you know mass jack of all trades master of none but I'm not trying to win any world championship you know bird bird hunting or something so yeah so we were walking through my field the other day and, you know, I, I, I'm similar. Like I live in a really small town and we're, we're, we're just, we're not, we're not out of town, but we're on the outskirts of it. And, and when I say town, I mean, you know, have you, you've been through Burlington? I mean, it's, oh yeah, yeah a few, few hundred people, a couple hundred people. And so we're like on the you know, we've got like a five acre little spread kind of on the getting on the outskirts. There's some 40 acre fields right next to us. And so we're kind of on the outskirts and there's a little there's a little ditch. Um, sounds kind of similar to your deal. There's kind of a little creek bottom ditch uh yep. that is right adjacent to our place. And so anyway, we go on a little morning walk through the field. I go take the dogs and stuff. And, you know, we, we actually kick up a pheasant. We kicked one up this morning. We kick one up 50 percent of the time. Um, Oh sweet. Like on your little five acres. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's man. They, they love it. Right. I just let my, you know, I had, I had the llamas in there and I let the feed grow over, um, you know, all year and and three llamas can't touch, you know, 10% of what comes up on that field. And so it's just perfect, you know, overgrowth for pheasant. And then they got that, they've got that, uh, little Creek bottom, you know, right next to us with the little, little ditch basically. And that's even better. You know, they hang on the banks there in the thick brush and stuff. So anyway, it's a really good setup. And, uh, until just the other day, we were walking through there and I came across what I'm, you know, absolutely sure was a raccoon track. And, uh, so that got my wheels turning. I'm just like, Oh man. So we've, let me wrap this up. We, uh, we we've been tra- we've been dragging a raccoon um i was down in utah actually and this is probably illegal as as all get out i don't know but um someone that i know I'll say someone that i know was down in utah and legally found a a roadkill raccoon that was in pretty good shape and threw it in and whatever the legal uh process was <laughs> brought <laughs> brought it back, <laughs> brought it back to me in wyoming anyway so we've been dragging him man (laughs) chief loves he goes like absolutely bananas when it's time to do a drag like a fur drag he is just yeah so much all over it oh man he freaking loves it and uh anyway so this just got my wheels turning so i just invested in my first raccoon trap i put some uh i want to hear the story of how you got him because i've just put some tuna in there a couple nights (laughs) and i haven't got any activity and so what's the secret
1: Okay, so are you using the little circular tracks, traps that are, like, perfect for – made for raccoons? No, this
0: is just like a uh, uh, trap like a live door. Trap? Yep.
1: Okay, so we've caught them in there, and uh, the last two I've caught now have been in the little circular traps that, like, they put their hand in, and then mm. it just catches their hand. Mm. Um, both of them, I think, are just fine. Well, I, let me back that up. I do think that – because I've always had the, the little trap door trap running at the same time. And it hasn't caught anything since the first one, like last summer. So um, if they're they're wily raccoons, which they could be, uh, they might not go in there, even if you have the best bait in the world, or they just will figure out how to not set it off. So um, I would just run a trap line, first of all, (laughs) get a couple. Um, And then the other thing is we've just been sticking like really sticky stuff down in in the uh, traps. So that just makes it so they can't, you know, they have to set the trap off um, in order to get their food. And so what we did was we had a couple of eggs that had cracked because it was too cold. Mm. And so we put like a base layer of, of peanut butter down <laughs> and then we put some eggs on it and then we topped it off with a couple marshmallows. Mm. And so when they're pulling at these marshmallows, they set the trap <laughs> off. Um, so that's it. been the trick. That's been the, what's been working so far, man.
0: Okay. Love it. When you text me at a run in with the raccoon, I got super excited. So.
1: (laughs) Oh, it's awesome. And uh, obviously it's like, you know, you can skin them and do cool stuff with them too. It's just kind of a, an interesting thing to fill the time this time of year. Yeah. yeah, We, we know, I mean, antlers aren't dropped really here. Um, so I'm just hanging out and waiting for something to happen. (laughs) So
0: (laughs) love it. Uh, Yeah. yeah. So surprisingly um and almost uh sadly this podcast not about trapping raccoons but um <laughs> gi- give your give your wh- wh- where are you at now are you you're down here in wyoming obviously
1: yeah i'm here in lander That's um right. and i'm working for the wyoming wildlife federation as my nine to five so i do the communication stuff here i, I still do like some of the rich outdoors podcasts and stuff just as a side project you know sure. and work with cody with that but my yeah my paid job is is working for the Wyoming Wildlife Federation.
0: Yeah, and that's that's what I really wanted to talk about, you know. I you know, I'm relatively new to Wyoming, but you move here and you get, you know, it it grows on you pretty quick and and man, we have um wildlife opportunities and hunting opportunities and fishing opportunities um galore, you know, just almost you know, almost as good as it gets probably in the West. And so, you know, you get attached to it and, and you get kind of protective, Not, I don't want to say protective of it, but you just, you, you get very invested in it pretty quick up here. And so when I saw this, um, this house bill 122 come across, I thought, man, this is, this is something I'd like to just shed some light on because um, you know, if I'm understanding the program, right. And I think I am, because I've, I think I've, u- uh, utilized it last year. Um, yep. you know, I'm, I'm, I haven't seen any, any negative, uh, with it. So maybe, you know, jump in and, and this might be just a quick and dirty podcast. It might not be an hour and a half, obviously, but, um, mm-hmm. jump in and just kind of explain, you know, m- maybe Wyoming wildlife Federation to begin with, start there, just kind of what your goal is. I saw that you, yeah. it's been around since 1937 and just kind of what your, um, what your guys' mission is and what they're doing down there collectively.
1: Yeah. Oh, for sure. So, so we're the oldest sportsman's organization in Wyoming. Um, and, you know, basically we have just been, you know, advocating on behalf of hunters and anglers, like you said, since 1937. Um, but a large part of that is, is at the legislature um, and at the commission so level. So we're looking at more policy and regulation stuff um you know we're we're really involved in like obviously setting getting bills passed but also involved in like setting seasons or trying to get uh bears under state management that kind of thing uh grizzly bears
0: and that, that is- can go that can go through like like political legislation like the house or the senate but that can also go through like local game uh yep. commission and stuff like that right
1: yep exactly so it's not just and and we've got enough like now we're at hundred eight people working here and each person kind of has their own program that they run. It's, it's, so we've got a lot of irons in the fire. We're trying to do hunters for the hungry program here where people can donate meat to food banks. Um, you know, we're working on some habitat fencing type projects, um, and just working on some on the, on the ground stuff too. But yeah, our, our meat and potatoes has always been the, um, you know, the legislature type stuff and trying to make regulation and policy changes. And uh, that's kind of how I got into it. I, when I moved here, I was, I was just kind of looking for, I'm, I'm, I'm the jack of all trades. I'm your, I'm your, uh, my, my dog. Yeah. You're, I'm your dog. I get too distracted on depending on the time of year and what's going on. And so I never really thought that um, some of these conservation groups, like, you know, Ducks Unlimited or Mealy Fanatics or Rocky Mountain Elk, like, I like them all. And I was always like, kind of had a pulse on what was going on with those guys. But, um, Wyoming wildlife Federation just kind of covers the gambit. And I was like, yeah, that seems like a good one to get involved with. So, so a um, couple of yeah.
0: questions, couple questions. Uh, first of all, what, where is the funding coming from, um, for Wyoming wildlife specifically? Is it a membership? Is it a state funded deal or what?
1: A ton of what we get funded by is, is grants. And, um, you know, like like, it's kind of nice because, uh, we get, you know, some pretty broad grants to go work on some specific projects and like trying to impact, um, you know, like changes in legislature around a certain thing. And so like public land access and public land issues is something that we have a specific grant for. Right. Um, and so I'm trying to remember what the, I don't deal with the grant stuff very often, but I'm trying to remember who that is. Um, but yeah we get a whole bunch of different sources of them um and then so that's like i'm actually looking at my book here and that's like 50 percent of all of our mm-hmm. revenue so then there's some membership stuff too and we do a lot of fundraisers um and and you know we just did this commissioner's tag and it's my favorite fundraiser, <laughs> fundraiser of the year because someone gets to go choose a, a, a killer hunt which i need to talk to you about afterwards because i think the guy's gonna hunt the one that you did last year uh for elk oh, so yeah. yeah i love it yeah But anyway, yeah, so we have kind of a diverse um, income set, but it's it's mostly grants, um, you know, whether it's like Q, Knobloch, some of those Mm kind of classic conservation groups that are funding really fanatic foundation and RMEF and stuff like that. Gotcha. And then
0: real quick, at the risk of, you know, getting political or getting, uh, I don't know, into the weeds here, um, you know you mentioned all, all those other conservation quote unquote conservation groups. And, you know, there's a, there's a million of them out there and it just from the outside looking in, not, you know, again, I'm, I'm kind of like you, like, Oh yeah, that, you know, at the surface, that seems good. And at the surface, that seems good. And you know, this and that, and I might be a member of one or two or 10 or whatever, but, um, it just seems nowadays, like these things are getting, murky right they get oh yeah they get picked apart all of a sudden you know this group comes out and oh the owner of this actually owns this group which funds this group which is completely anti-hunting and it's like burn them at the stake you know and then it's like Mm -hmm. and the same here i i again, just to keep it simple without, you know, we don't need to necessarily name names if you don't want or, or organizations or whatever, but just, I'm just curious how you guys navigate that or or what your opinion is on that atmosphere.
1: Man. Yeah, no, it's, and it's a really good point. And, you know, to be completely transparent, there's like the majority of grants out there just as a blanket statement, the majority of grants out there are delivered by, you know, groups that, you know, have some things that we don't agree with at all, you know, and it's really difficult to make sure that, you know, as an organization, you don't just like chase dollars, you know, to try to grow it's. And, uh, yeah, I think we're pretty lucky that we have a board that is, is really, they're really smart. Um, we've got multiple folks who worked for governor, uh, governor Meade and his staff, um, which was the governor before the one we have now in Wyoming. Um, and are really good at policy and and also just making sure that the Federation is like working towards like Wyoming values, making sure that, you know, oil and gas guys are worked into this whole conversation. We're talking about, you know, ways that we can make sure that places like Burlington don't go away, Mm. you know, if the oil and gas field shuts down and stuff like that. So, you know, it's it's one of those things. I think we're lucky to have really good leadership that makes sure that we kind of stay up above the fray because it's really easy to get down into the like you said, down into the weeds of like, oh, so and so is a bad person and we date like we hate them and their policy and so we can't work with them. Yeah. In Wyoming, that doesn't work, man. Like well, everyone's, uh, yeah, na- everyone's so close
0: nationwide. It doesn't work, right? And we see this yeah. manifested just in the hunting world in general. I mean, we can't even. Except hunting with different weapons, for example, within the hunting community, let alone all the different um, agendas and all the different opinions and angles that people have. For example, wolf reintroduction in Colorado, you know, it it could not be more polarizing, you know, within some of the hunting community. I mean, there's, there are big time names, guys who make a living hunting, you know, so on and so forth that I guarantee you would vote for that and did vote for that in a heartbeat. Um, And then you've got an absolute riot on the other side of guys who don't think it's the smart thing to do. And so the point is, I mean, you know, of course you have to, you have to establish, you know, whether you're a person or whether you're a Wyoming wildlife Federation or whether you're, you know, a, a company or whatever. Nowadays you have to establish where your line in the sand is, but there is no, obvious answer i don't think um because everyone has their different reasons and some of them are very valid and some of them you just don't like and you know it's just a it's just a it it's just gonna get more convoluted i think as the years and the days go on um you know yeah man it's you know it's just kind of like a it's like a micro version of the political climate you just don't see it smoothing out anytime soon, you know, and so you just, you have to keep your head about you and not um jump to conclusions, right? That's, that's the first thing with, with these things. I think a lot of people just jump to conclusions because someone posted something, you know, on Instagram real quick, and then it takes off like wildfire and, and then, yeah. and then understanding where your actual values are, you know, I think people, Um, and, and I'm just speaking arbitrarily. I don't have any you know, example or anything necessarily in my mind, you know, I know where I stand on some of these things, but anyway, it was just, just curious and kind of wanted to, you know, let you, let you uh, give your definition of kind of where, how you guys navigate that. But.
1: Yeah, man. And I think it's always, I saw this really great quote the other day and I just looked it up while we were talking just cause I wanted to get it right. Um, it's a Ronald Reagan quote and he says, uh, you know, a person who is 80% your friend is not 20% your enemy you know, it's like everyone is going to have a, an issue that they dislike each other or yeah. have differing opinions on, you know, and I think we forget that a lot, man. We just, we just find ways to hate on other folks for, uh, like you said, like, you know, s- screw you long range hunters. They, that's <laughs> an unethical <you> know? <laughs> yeah. when everything else we agree on, you know, it's really like, Um, that was just an example. That's not actually how I feel, Uh, (laughs) but I just, you know, I just, it's really important, especially this time, this, this time of year when we're doing policy and politics, it's, uh, to remember that, you know? Yeah.
0: Well, it's, it's good in anything, you know, in life in general. I mean, I'll take it as extreme as like religion, you know, we, uh, Christians, for example, I think we, um, we have a tendency to, you know, and, and I, you know i completely understand i probably am a member of a church that you know is is accused of this as much as anything but you know mm-hmm. if it's not if it's not my way it's the highway and instead come into the common ground of hey man like if we really sit down and think about it we you know we we believe 90 percent of the same principles you know about a religion or about god or you know where we came from or whatever and so let's start yeah. let's start there you know and build from there so yeah absolutely
1: yeah so but but all of that really like deep talk aside this hb 122 bill is one of them that we're working on yeah and it's i think it's really good
0: yeah i'm i'm excited when i kind of you know you see these come through hb and sb and this and that and some all of a sudden it's like oh we hate this and then this one's like oh we love it and you know it kind of gets overwhelming but this one caught my attention um maybe just give a quick synopsis of what this is and, and why it was presented.
1: Yeah. So, um, a little background on this thing is, is, uh, the bringer of the bill, his name is Cyrus Western. Um, and he's this, uh, representative outside of Sheridan. Um, and I, I think at least for the last three years in a row, he shot his elk deer and whitetail elk, mule deer and whitetail deer in Wyoming each season and last year he definitely did it all with his boat like this dude (laughs) this dude gets after it and i just i i'm stoked that we've got a legislator who is such an avid hunter right that's that's a cool that's the that's where this thing started from is is kind of him being like how can we get more access for folks because um you know he grew up uh hunting and fishing around sheridan and anyone who lives over there on the east side of the state knows that uh, access is the biggest issue, you know, like, especially if you're like an antelope hunter, someone who has to stay down in the, in the, you know, sagebrush rolling country. It's just, um, I had a, I had an antelope tag out there kind of South of Buffalo and, uh, and, and I, I archery hunted the crap out of it because I knew there was only like a half dozen state sections where I could even go hunting, you know? Um, and so, it was looking at kind of solving this issue of, of especially on the east side of the state and down in these valleys where we're trying to get more whitetail hunters or antelope hunters. Um, you know, how can we just provide more access to folks? And, um, and he kind of come up with this bill that said, well, our conservation stamp, um, in Wyoming is pretty cheap. Uh, we don't have a big hunting license you have to buy each year to go hunting. You just have to make sure you purchase a, a conservation stamp and have it valid at the time you're going um and that keeps you know I that makes it so basically if you're applying as a non-resident and this is important if you're applying as a non-resident you can apply and get your tag and not have your conservation stamp so it's like not part of the yeah. requirement right? which
0: i i fr- frankly i hate um new mexico new mexico i think is similar and i got in a not in a uh, you know not in trouble but i got in a bind down there i showed up for a you know, a mule deer hunt. And I was down there luckily a day or two early to scout. And I think I ran into a, a, uh, an officer the evening before the hunt. And he's like, Oh, you got your license, you know, or whatever. And yeah, you got your conservation stamp or what, whatever it is down there. And I'm like, yeah, no. And he's like, well, you have to have that. And my, my argument, not my argument, it wasn't like, I didn't get a ticket or anything. He was very nice. And I could, I still got online that night and bought it and everything. And and it was good yeah. before the hunt. But you know, my point to to him and to anyone in is like, if it's required require it, you know, like, yeah, don't let, don't let me apply for it. You know, just there's so many freaking red tape, little regulation things that, you know, you almost have to have a PhD in these, uh, each state's regulations and stuff. And so anyway, that's my two seriously, is if it's required, make them required. I hate that,
1: but. Now, I, I don't want to leave us down this rabbit hole, but the one in Wyoming, that ha- I've seen it get two different people where they went hunting and didn't have this thing. It's the feed ground stamp. So, like, people in Wyoming, if you're hunting anywhere near a feed ground, you have to have, like, your feed ground like stamp. Like over in Jackson, for example, with yeah. the elk. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, ja- from basically from Jackson to Pinedale down to Kemmerer. Yeah. in that little corner it's like well it's, it's like region h and g for deer um it, it doesn't apply to deer but for elk specifically you have to have that stamp and people like it's such like a, a missed thing just because everywhere else in the state you're good to go you know it's yeah. uh but anyway i totally agree man i would rather just work it all into one fee for put me it and into then my, it yeah just...
0: <laughs> put it into my tag you know I'd, yeah. i would rather pay that that feed ground for any hunt in the state you know and then not have it be an issue rather than even trying to keep track of like oh I have to pay for it this hunt and this hunt I don't and then having to do it separate like <laughs> just lump it yeah. in man
1: yeah but this conservation stamp now the cool thing is it is uh it's the same it it's it's needed and required for both fishing and hunting so you get more people purchasing it um you know as a result um and and then this Access bill that we're talking about also pertains to some fishing areas. So you do get to expand a little bit of the, the, the folks who are buying this thing and raising a little bit more money for access uh, and other conservation deals that, that are worked into it. So um, that part's good about the conservation stamp in particular. Uh, right now it's twelve fifty and then this HB122 wants to take it to 21 bucks mm-hmm. which is a lot right but um oh well,
0: percentage wise i mean percentage wise
1: yeah
0: you know in 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 the scope of things i mean that's a cheeseburger yeah, <laughs> yeah. right <laughs> like that's what i'm going to spend on lunch today so yeah you know not really but
1: That's a great point, man. That's a great point. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a big percentage increase, but it's really not that expensive overall. I wouldn't say it's cost prohibitive for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, now, you know, and then there's always the the argument, well, they're nickel and diming us. I like this in particular because like, at least I know exactly where that increased fee is going. Um, and it's going to giving you more places to go hunting and fishing, right? Like, like that seems like a pretty worthy thing. If I could, If I paid, you know, 10 bucks a year to get a new place to go hunting every year, I would, oh man, I would just be over the
0: moon. Well, and it's, it's important to reiterate what you talked about at first in Wyoming, specifically in a lot of the States out West, um, you know, I'm picturing like Montana, Utah's kind of like this, um, where there is just a lot more private land than there is other States. You know, I grew up in Nevada And something like this is absurd in Nevada because (laughs) it's like the state's like 90% public and, you know, and most of the places that are public, you know, don't affect anything. Or, you know, I can think of, you know, one or two places that it was like we had to navigate around private land growing up deer hunting. And it's like, wouldn't even make sense to someone in a state like that. But out here, you know, this opens up. You know an entirely new world of hunt of hunting opportunity and land that you can get to,
1: yeah absolutely and and one of the things that it's trying to do is also focus on um trying to focus on those areas where it's landlocked, public land man like it uh I did a lot of archery antelope hunting in this place where like I was hunting on public ground, but just to get from the road to the public ground, there's a walk in area. You know, and it's like, oh, sweet. so once I cross this little you know this little ditch basically of private, then I'm back into public and mm-hmm. this bill is is intended to open up a bunch of that kind of stuff. does
0: this um you does, mentioned you mentioned hunters and fishers and the conservation stamp. Would this also apply to just someone hiking, for example?
1: like uh this one doesn't in particular have that like um, you know program baked into it, access yes, which is the access program right now as far as I know it's only hunting and fishing um though that is something that I think has been that's like been brought up in conversation since this bill has come out
0: well um so and and my thought there is I want it one way or the other right and what I mean by that is you know I don't have any problem you know think think of you know I, I don't have any problem um opening you know say, say there's some you know hike or some mountain range or some uh you know, uh, feature right out, out, you know, some cave or something like that. That's, that's locked by private land and this would open it up. Right. And it's a point of interest mm-hmm. and, you know, they have a, a trail going through the the private property and you stay to the trail or whatever. Right. And people want to yeah. go do their thing and nature hike or whatever. I don't have any problem with programs like this also overlapping stuff like that. Um, as long as they're paying, their way too, right. Make, make, yeah. you know, they have to now have a conservation stamp, which, you know, what's good for the goose is good for the gander type of a thing. But, you know, on the flip side, the problems that, um, or the, you know, the, the, you know, the uh, states like Colorado, you know, where there's this huge push of like, I mean, just hundreds and thousands of people using the out, out of doors every single year in places where hunters are kind of, you know, the, you know, you you picture that a hunter pays his hunting license or whatever goes out and, and that habitat, um, uh, Utah, for example, y- Utah goes and reseeds their fires after they're burned. Huge, huge help to the wildlife in the area. Mm-hmm. Well, then John Schmodeau goes out and is wants to photograph wildlife, for example, and he's not a hunter or fisher or anything like that. And he's kind of reaping the benefits, so to speak um, you know, of utilizing the wildlife or the, or the area without really paying any sort of access fee, you know? And so that it was just a thought that I had of like, man, I wonder if we could even, you know, you know, who who knows, maybe we don't want anything to do with, with that or that, that side of the table or not. I don't know. In this, case. I
1: think, I definitely think it'll be more of a conversation, not maybe this year, but in, in the future because i think a, a lot of folks i know it's a conversation that i've had a lot is like what how, how can we make it that way um you know especially especially when you look at like how much just recreational traffic is up in jackson as right. an example right um, right you know it, it's totally an option and you know uh, i i don't know if this is this bill probably isn't the answer to that and i'm i'm kind of happy that it's uh it is focused on this access yes program but that uh We'll, we'll see, we'll see what ends up happening in the future. Yeah. Um, the other thing to think about is that I don't know that the landowners necessarily want a bunch of just folks traipsing around. I think it's probably nice to have a purpose and exclusive yeah exclusivity to hunting and fishing. Yeah. 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 And, and this bill or like the program currently, like if someone has their place enrolled in access, yes. Or hunter management area, which is where you sign a permission slip to go out there. Um, those places get like increased surveillance and during hunting seasons and stuff like that. So it is, it is much better for the landowners if we can kind of control what time of year and and how much traffic there is. Um, So yeah, I think that's a, that's a big piece of it um, too, is just looking at it from a landowner perspective of like, who do you actually want running around on your place and when, and you know, how much impact do they have? So so
0: you mentioned the the HMA right, and I'm curious what is the because now that you say that I think I utilized the HMA program on my elk hunt. Um, what is the difference between Access Yes and HM the Hunter Management Access?
1: So okay, the Access Yes program is the umbrella that all of these other okay access things come under. So Access Yes is just the name of of the group of folks or not, it's actually not a group of folks right now. It's just people who <laughs> that are doing some other job right now who also work this into their schedule. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so, so access. Yes. Is that main program though, where um, you know walk in areas are part of access. Yes. Hunter management areas are part of access. Yes. And then there are also like just public fishing areas that fall under that umbrella. Okay. Um, so right now that's kind of, that's the structure and so this bill, you know, it, it goes to create a fund specifically for access, yes, as in, like, that bigger umbrella. Um, because right now, there's, like, not a consistent fund. It's it's all largely donation-based. And also, like, the Game and Fish will pitch it some money, you know, depending on what the, their budget looks like year to year. Um, so it's kind of like – that's what this, this bill is really – like, a big part of it is it sets up a whole different – coffer for this one program so that we know that we can count on maybe having a couple people out there on the, on the landscape, you know, facilitating these walk-in areas or hunter management areas and, and, you know, maybe paying per hunter a day or, or paying for a season's access for these landowners and being a little bit easier to negotiate. Not, not just because, you know, all landowners are out for money, but there's just costs that are associated, um, you know, with letting folks on. And I think that that's important.
0: Oh, I, you know, on my, like I said, on my elk hunt, I mean, you couldn't believe, you know, this, this rancher owned obviously the entire, you know, little, uh, valley up and down, you know, both sides really. And, and Mm -hmm. it would, I'm sure, you know, maybe, maybe not, but I'm sure there would have been access somewhere else, but extremely ridiculous, uh, you know, route to get into this country. And, but the amount of traffic, uh, that was going, I almost felt bad, you know, with the amount of traffic up and down. I mean, you know, dozens of camps right off the road. Um, obviously they can't camp on, on the private land, um, Mm -hmm. but they're accessing it because they can get through the private and just, you know, like a mini freeway, um, of access and just dirt roads and just people up and down and the use was extremely high and so yeah if that was my place and i'm trying to run a cattle farm or you know a cattle rancher or, or whatever they are doing um yeah i mean i i you know i would i would expect to be compensated um yeah you know
1: Yeah. And it's kind of nice that, you know, like this is all, all a voluntary program too. So like, it's not like any landowner is being approached and said like, Hey, give us, or we're going to give you this money and you're going to do this. The landowners are oftentimes the ones who initiate it, you know, especially if, so, so I grew up on a, on a farm. um, And (laughs) I noticed like, as we got, as I got older and, and grandpa would kick me like people who asked about hunting on the place, I was hunting the crap out of it for, different things. And, and as soon as people started, he you know pointed in my direction. And I was like, wait, I don't know who I gave access to anymore. Like, I don't, yeah. <laughs> like, I don't, this is crazy. Like, I don't, I don't remember who or how many people are out here. So it gives folks a, a good way to manage that traffic. And like you said, if you were using the hunter man or hunter management area, um, it's permission slip based and they kind of cap them, you know mm. um, it's pretty, it's a, it's a good way to just ensure that, um, you get a, a, a minimal amount of traffic or the amount of traffic you want, you know, as a landowner. So gotcha. that's
0: a pretty good deal. Uh, how are the landowners compensated?
1: Um, I think that that right now it hasn't been, um, kind of codified or like set in stone. Um, you know, if, if it's oftentimes going to be looked, we're going to look towards, we as. I'm, I, I'm not speaking on behalf of the game of fish here, but <laughs> I think the game of fish will look forward towards the block management program up in Montana as a good guideline. Um, and they pay, you know, per hunter day, or they can pay just a flat fee to allow access. Mm-hmm. Um, so it just depends on the landowner and, and each one's going to be very different. You know, um, I, there's a lot of landowners right now who enroll in this program and don't charge anything. Um I just, not out not too far from your house man there is a whole slew of of areas um and i hope that's not blowing up anybody's spot it Mm. shouldn't because there's a bunch of different spots and stuff out there but I don't know who your guy, your guys' you guys's, uh, habitat and access coordinator is, but he crushed it. And there's a ton of walk-in areas yeah. um, in places that are agriculture.
0: So you, you mentioned the block management, which I understand is a different, um, you know, when I was down in New Mexico on my audad hunt, they have this excellent uh, block management access where basically checkerboard of private and public. And a lot of it would be landlocked and a lot of it would be inaccessible Um, And they basically got together and said, okay, you know, and you know, if this is 10,000 acres or 20,000 acres and it's completely checkerboarded and a public citizen might be able to utilize 10% of it because of, Mm -hmm. you know, the checkerboard and the landlocked and you can't, you know, you can't, um, you know, corner hop and stuff like that. We're going to take that 10,000 acres and break them up into four, you know, 2,500 acre parcels, so to speak. And designate like okay, this is now just you know as as far as the hunting season goes, this is your private land, and this is all public land now, you know, <clears throat> even though technically the line you know the, the the property lines were scattered all over you know, you could get on on X and you could see, okay, anywhere that it's polka dotted or whatever um I have I can access as a hunter is that that's so block management um is is a a different form of this and something that you guys will utilize
1: no so block management is just what montana calls it okay um and so that's their program that's been real successful uh especially out east of eastern montana um and that's that's the same as new
0: mexico theory that i'm talking about
1: yeah yeah and and i'm just saying like wyoming's gonna for our access yes program and other programs for increasing access we look to um those other states who have dialed it in a little bit, mm-hmm. um, to, to kind of use them as a template and not reinvent the wheel. Sure. Um, so I think that's going to be what they decide to do in the future. Like I said, I can't speak on behalf of the game and fish cause we're just totally separate entities, but and I get calls thinking that we're the game and fish all the time. And it's frustrating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, but like I went down and, uh, it's really common in South central Wyoming where you have that big checkerboard along I-80 um for antelope hunting it's it can it can make a unit that's like half public land mostly inaccessible uh you know if yeah. if, if there's no hma if there's no hmas or walking areas and, uh i was down there hunting on a oh i was hunting with cody rich and uh he had the antelope tag i was just kind of bumming along and and uh yeah we use the crap out of one of those hmas yeah. down there just because it's like otherwise you know you you run into this thing of like trying to find a little county road that cuts the corner you know (laughs) and and then you go in um and it's a pain in the butt yep um you
0: talked about the the program regulation uh is this just something that rolls into the the officers that are tied in with the fishing game this isn't like a separate deal right yeah
1: for the so this this bill in particular would create a fund that would help hire folks to, to work on access in particular, um, because I know there's just like, there's a human body shortage right now, um, to do that. And so this, you know, I would imagine that this would end up, you know, creating what you'd call like an access technician or somebody like that who goes around, talks to landowners and figures this thing out. Um, you know, and and on top of that, man, there's like, I was kind of mentioning before there's increased surveillance on these walk-in and hunter management areas, um, during the hunting season. And those folks right now, I think are, are, largely volunteer. Um, they called it, a, I think they called it a posse of some kind. <laughs> um, so I think, I think you would you'd see a, a few more, you know, um, wardens, not necessarily get hired on, but, you know, be able to be contracted from different parts of the state to be brought in, to do more of that. Um, that's kind of what I'm gathering. And, and this is based on my knowledge of the program. Um, so what it ends up being, it should be something similar to that, gotcha, yeah,
0: love it um what else any any other details on the like the the bill itself or um you know we'll we'll get in maybe at the end of like how guys can or how people can contact and yeah and help it along, but um, is there any specifics on how the program itself is ran that I'm missing or things you want to touch yeah. on?
1: No, I think I mean, man, I think we've covered the bases pretty much basically it's a it's a fee increase on the the conservation stamp that puts together a fund that creates more access it's pretty i i think it's uh for how convoluted some of these bills are this one i think makes the easiest and most sense of most of them I've looked at this year. Right. <laughs> so so it's pretty cool from that perspective. Um I am looking for uh folks to send me stories and photos of people who have had success on walk-in or hunter management areas or have used them and to get to public ground and then had success there. Oh. Um just because I think that's uh, man it's it's great to show how successful the program with no consistent funding has been. Just relying on on donate you know donations and, and you know landowners who are kind hearted, <laughs> so right. so it's been. If anyone has that information, um, send it along. I know I don't know how many of your listeners are necessarily Wyoming residents, um, but if they're also residents of Wyoming listening to this dang thing, um, please contact your legislator uh, and just say you support this bill and would like them to do the same. And um, what,
0: what about what about non residents? I know. You know, obviously a majority of the listeners are not Wyoming residents, but a lot of them hunt or will hunt or have hunted Wyoming um, because mm-hmm. it's a great opportunity up here. But uh, w- they they would have a voice, obviously, that would be heard no differently if they reached out.
1: Yeah, I don't I don't know if every single representative or senator uh, treats non-residents the same way. And I just wanted to to, to be upfront about that. But. <laughs> I will say there's no harm in reaching out. It never out to hurts. Them. Yeah, yeah. There's no harm in reaching out and being like, "Hey, man, I had a great time coming out to Gillette, and I used this walking area to get my antelope. Yeah. I would love it if we had some more of these programs." I mean, um, they're
0: they're yeah. buying a conservation stamp, no different,
1: you know. Yep. Yep. So. Exactly. So that's that's what I would do if I was a non-resident, and you know, especially if you had a like I said, a personal story just goes such a long way. Um, you know, being being really you know, easy to talk to and, and not inflammatory goes a long way. <laughs> so uh-huh. anybody can really, you know, reach out and, and discuss it with legislature legislators and probably make a difference.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'll see if I can write it, write you up a little, you know, a short little, uh, testimonial or whatever my experience. Cause like I said, that, I mean, that whole elk hunt was utilized through that program and it was awesome. So,
1: yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't even know that. So that's sweet. I, I I'm glad that you brought that up. That's, well, that, I, that makes a lot of sense.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I drew the tag and some of the guys here at work, you know, knew about it or had hunted that area before. And, and I had no clue. And they said, Oh, you need to, they're like, trust me, you're going to want to get on and get on this, this HMA, uh, deal and get signed up for that or whatever. And, and I, I kind of did not really knowing, you know, exactly how important that would be or whatever, but um, mm-hmm. you know the, the area that I ended up hunting was it was 100% because of that so oh that's
1: awesome A um, well, good deal man I'm, I'm stoked that you know you 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 already put her to the test too and you you're El, just in the little time you you were out here especially on an elk tag that's kind of rare it feels like you know using those areas so that's cool yeah
0: yeah and, and like I said I mean I feel like I've you know you every state has a little what I feel like again not i don't know of anything like this in nevada really because they don't need it but other than just landowner tags and stuff but um you know utah has their cwmus it's a, a variation of this i feel like where you can get access to these private land things through the tag draws and you know new mexico had this hunter block management uh program which was similar and awesome and and like i said i used it up here and um so i'm 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 all for it man uh you know just come figure out a way to um kind of not level the playing field necessarily with the private landowners but just come to an agreement and you know make it, make it a win-win for everybody i think it's it's a good deal
1: yeah it is man especially when you look at just the average joe i i see this all the time the average joe hunter is getting priced out of hunting and you know average joe hunter can't have you know good access to whitetail hunting or whatever i think this goes a long way to just keeping people going man
0: sure it's and it's getting so much more competitive every day um with with access to private land where you know i feel like 20 years ago kind of a thing if you just knocked on some random farmer's uh door and you're like hey you got some antelope out in your field do you mind if i because he might maybe he only had you know three guys a year hit him up and then that you know nowadays it feels like you know everyone's just knocking on those those doors and they're talking about oh i was trying to get access here and or you know or or the private landowners are like yeah i'm you know i i've got guys you know i i have I have guys here through work that have the money and are like, I'm just going to buy up a ranch and screw everyone. Like I'm just going to yeah. buy it. And, and that's good hunting ground and no one's going to ever access it ever again. Cause you know, I've got the money and it's, you know, it's unfortunate and you can't tell people what to do with their money. But if, you know, if we can, if we can come in, you know, with this angle, then, um, you know, then I, I see it as a good thing. But, uh, where do, where or who, should they reach out to people reach out to if they want to voice their opinion on this?
1: Um, so go to dot Um, and that'll kind of give you an idea of who legislators are. Spell, um, spell
0: that. What was it? So
1: y O dot So what W Y O L E G dot G O V like
0: legislation. Okay.
1: Yep. And, and then you can find the legislators, um, there. You know, especially and I kind of was harping on this earlier, but if you've got a personal story and can reach out to that legislator in that area, that is just so effective, man. That's a, such a great way to go. Um so I just I would find your senators and rep- find the senators and representatives through the the tool that's on there. Um and that'll that's a great way to just kind of get involved. Um I know wyomingwildlife.org uh, is our website and we've got an article about it if people want more information and want to reference it for future reference you know of of talking about it themselves or talking about it with their uh representatives and senators but um yeah that's go to wildedge.gov to really that's where the best place is to to find out how to take action okay sounds good man
0: yeah i appreciate it i think i think these are these are uh not type of podcasts that i do consistently obviously but but it's good it's good to mix these in when when important things come up So.
1: Yeah. Well, and I appreciate you reaching out about doing it, man. Like it, it was kind of like, uh, it's, it's one of these things where I, you know, in the, in any conversations I have, I love talking about hunt stories. I love just talking about tips, tactics and gear. And, um, it does feel a little bit more of like, uh, you know, this is the meat and potatoes that no one really likes to eat, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but it's important stuff. And just, I really appreciate you having me on to talk about it. It's, it's good. And, and whenever a good bill comes up, I think it's fun to, to be excited about something, you know, positive. So this yeah, is great for sure. Appreciate well, it, man.
0: Hey, everybody. Thank you for listening to the finding Backcountry podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, Make sure you subscribe and mention it to your friends. But the best thing you can do, leave a rating on iTunes or your favorite podcast platform. For notes and links to this
1: and other episodes, please visit FindingBackCountry.com.